0: Come see the new quiz show, Go Fact Yourself, with special guests Andy Richter and fresh airs Tanya Mosley. It's March 23rd at the Crawford. Get your tickets at las.com slash events.
1: Hey, it's Antonia Serejida, the host of Imperfect Paradise, a show about hidden worlds and messy realities. We first released Yoga's Queen of Conspiracy Theories a year ago, and as we were planning to re-release this series, I asked correspondent Emily Guerin, who reported this story, what has happened in this last year? Are there any developments in the yoga conspiracy world? And she suggested that I check in with Matthew Remsky, one of the hosts of Conspirituality, a podcast that looks at the intersection between spiritual communities and conspiracies. And that conversation with Matthew opened up a whole new chapter in this story that I was really not expecting.
2: There's a general process of mainstreaming that I think reaches its pinnacle with the presidential candidacy of RFK Jr.
1: We found ourselves on the presidential campaign trail. In this episode, a journey through the yoga boom of the 90s, the inner turmoil within a prominent democratic political family. And finally, we land in a Spanish colonial house in mid-city LA, where a kundalini yogi makes her pitch for a baby boomer candidate campaigning on a mix of conspiracies from both the wellness world and the far right.
2: He has never come across a conspiracy theory that he doesn't love
1: all that coming up on Imperfect Paradise. Matthew Remsky appears on my screen through a video call. Hello.
2: Hello, Antonia.
1: Hi, Matthew. It's so nice to meet you.
2: Nice to meet you.
1: He's an author and co-host on the show Conspirituality. They've released nearly 200 episodes that aim to, quote, dismantle New Age cults, wellness grifters, and conspiracy-mad yogis. Matthew's in Toronto, I'm in LA. But we do have one very relevant thing in common. At one point, we both fell in love with yoga. How and when did you get interested in yoga?
2: I wound up in New York City and it was in the midst of the yoga boom of the late 1990s. And I was with my friend walking by the sandwich board sign of a place called Yoga Zone. And we went upstairs, and I had some kind of mystical experience. I was being asked to sort of breathe deeply and feel into myself and uh, allow my sensations and my feelings and my emotions to be what they were. And all I felt was my body, actually. Like, I, I, my, my mind went blank. And I think that to have it suggested to you that that's the only important thing can be very revelatory for somebody who is overly intellectual or somebody who is prone to anxiety. And I think those are all fair descriptions of of me in various points of my life.
1: Looking back now for Matthew, he finds this moment kind of funny.
2: Yoga Zone. It's, like the, it's one of the cheesiest places one could have had a waking up experience.
1: The founder of Yoga Zone was a guy whose side gig was fashion photography. And this was a time when yoga was at its peak culturally trendy. In New York City, there were new boutique studios where they played hip-hop instead of new-age music during the class. And celebrities like Madonna and Christy Turlington became yoga proselytizers.
2: And... What made Yoga Zone famous was this blend of Orientalist mysticism and high fashion art. And of course, extremely conventionally beautiful women working for him that he would photograph.
1: Vanity Fair had a yoga issue that had yeah. like models and like also right. famous, famous New York City studio teachers. And I had right. those images taped on my wall in high school. Right. That Vanity Fair article I mentioned came out in 2007. And in it, it says that at the time, nearly three times as many people practiced yoga than Judaism, and that just yoga paraphernalia was an over $20 billion industry. At only 15 years old, I had started taking yoga classes after school definitely out of a desire to look good and be accepted. And one of my instructors suggested that I enroll in my studio's yoga teacher training program.
2: Wow, so at 15, they let you go through a training.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was weird. It was like me yeah. and a bunch of like middle-aged... Uh,
2: right. <laughs> yeah, Divorcees, Yeah, right? exactly,
1: yeah. yes. While I was an awkward adolescent on the West Coast, hanging out with San Diego moms... Matthew was on the East Coast, where his adult brain was noticing some troubling aspects of his new community.
2: After plunging it headfirst and running into all kinds of yoga communities, I learned pretty quickly that the New Age wellness and yoga landscape in general is pretty much a petri dish for cultic organizations for a number of reasons.
1: What were some of the early red flags that you had that yoga had cultic tendencies?
2: It had to do with there being no real kind of standard for attainment or competency in the yoga world. And I think from there, I realized that because there was no regulation in the industry, because there was no licensing, the coin of the realm was charisma. It had to do not with how proficient you were in yoga philosophy or you know how skillful you were in the postures, It had everything to do with what you looked like and who you could attract. And so, you know, that is really the Achilles heel, I think, of yoga and wellness as an industry. There's a lack of discipline definition. What you're going to get is just a a series of, you know, entrepreneurs rising and falling on the strength of their charisma. And that is why I say this is a, a Petri dish for cults
1: in the years leading up to the covid-19 crisis the yoga industry found itself at a critical place even before the pandemic forced thousands of yoga studios to close their doors the yoga boom of the 90s was in the rearview mirror and the industry was facing serious challenges
2: so dating from about 2018 the me too movement had crashed through the yoga world with hundreds of allegations against teachers being Put forward some allegations against some very famous and I would say patriarchs of the yoga world.
1: Matthew here is talking about famous yoga gurus who led yoga empires, like Bikram Chowdhury of Bikram Yoga, who, according to the LA Times, had to pay millions of dollars in damages to multiple women who sued him for sexual harassment. And of course, Yogi Bhajan, who we talked about in our series and was the leader of Kundalini Yoga.
2: The economics of yoga studios and training programs had gotten to a saturation point. These are businesses that had 40 or 50 studios across the country were starting to cut costs. They were closing down branches.
1: Some of the largest yoga studio chains in the country, Yoga Works and Core Power, were facing financial hurdles and anger from their employees.
2: There was also a crisis in leadership There was a fork in the road about whether or not the industry was going to push towards regulation or licensing. And so all of these very critical questions and precarious events were all sitting right on the edge of March 2020.
1: This next part of the story is the part you know if you've listened to our series Yoga's Queen of Conspiracy Theories. Many yoga teachers, out of work and at home during the pandemic, got a lot of engagement online if they spread false anti-vaccine conspiracies and unreliable medical information. Here's Guru Jagat speaking on her podcast during the pandemic.
3: The rips in time space that have opened unnatural portals from the Nazi kind of different kind of agreements with extraterrestrials. And then also, I mean, I think this is very important for what's happening right now, even with COVID. I don't know. My opinion is maybe it's best that people don't get the
0: the test.
4: Yes, are two sides to every situation.
3: (laughs) I do believe that it's possible that they're spraying some sort of aspect of chemical warfare or coronavirus in the chemtrails. I mean, I'm not super paranoid, but these days, who knows?
1: All of this snowballed in 2020. So what I wanted to know from Matthew is what happened next. What happened with all the misinformation that was spread during the pandemic? Where did all of that energy get directed? So you've now been doing this podcast um, for four years. And I'm sort of curious, like, over the time, how has what you've covered shifted on the show? And, like, sort of what have been, like, the eras since the pandemic of where you've seen this conflation between spirituality and conspiracy?
2: I think the basic conflation has not gone anywhere, Mm -hmm. what has changed is that its reception and its normalcy has been really mainstreamed into larger and larger environments. Whatever you're seeing in your yoga Facebook conspiracy addled or QAnon-affiliated discourse it's probably going to show up in some form on Joe Rogan about six months later. Joe Rogan podcast,
4: check it out! Tech clearly has a censorship agenda when it comes to COVID.
2: And at that point, it's going to have 10 million listeners. But there's a general process of mainstreaming that I think reaches its pinnacle with the presidential candidacy of RFK Jr.,
1: RFK Jr., or Robert F. Kennedy Jr., is the son of former Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy and the nephew of former President John F. Kennedy. And for most of his life, RFK Jr. was a dedicated Democrat. But recently, he's announced that he's running for president as an independent, a move his family has denounced.
2: He's the conspirituality candidate. There is a strong spiritual component to his rhetoric that conflates bodily impurity with spiritual failure. And that's just a keynote that runs throughout his campaign. And it's, it's really the keynote of conspirituality as well.
1: RFK Jr. has dedicated his career to protecting people and the environment from pollution. But over the years, he has bought into and helped spread many bogus claims, including that the coronavirus vaccines were developed to control people via microchips, that chemical exposure is linked to gender dysphoria, and that school mass shootings have increased because of antidepressants.
2: He has never come across a conspiracy theory that he doesn't love.
1: At this point, I have so many questions. I want to know more about this heir to a democratic political dynasty. How did he fall into a conspiracy rabbit hole? I want to get into all the nooks and crannies of how and why he became the so-called conspirituality candidate. After the break, a deep dive into RFK Jr.'s past and political present. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash paradise all lowercase go to shopify.com slash paradise now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash paradise imagine
0: if you could charge your electric vehicle at the places you already love to eat shop and play
1: When we left off, I had just learned that according to Matthew Remsky, author and host of the podcast Conspirituality, a lot of the troubling conspiratorial health misinformation that had been circulating around during the pandemic in yoga and wellness communities has made its way into the political mainstream through the presidential campaign of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's running as an independent. I wanted to understand who RFK Jr. is and what he stands for. And so I reached out to David Friedlander.
0: I'm a political journalist, mostly with Politico Magazine and New York Magazine.
1: David has profiled Kennedy for Politico and interviewed him in person in New York at the Bowery Hotel, during which Kennedy was drinking, of course, a ginger lime pear and celery green juice. Who is he? Who, what, is, what are his family connections? What uh, is the legacy he comes from?
0: Obviously, like, the Kennedys are sort of the royal family of, of Democratic Party politics in the United States.
1: RFK Jr. was only nine years old when his uncle, the president, John F. Kennedy, was assassinated, and 14 when his father was assassinated.
0: I think that kind of had the impact on his life that you would expect. He sort of fell into teenage drug use addiction. Um a really kind of, like, messy backstory.
1: Kennedy told Britain's new channel that he started using heroin when he was just 15 and struggled with addiction until he was nearly 30.
0: But then, like, you know, emerged as a a sort of early middle age, as an environmental hero, someone who fought to clean up the Hudson River in upstate New York. He was an environmental lawyer and sort of fought against corporate power in terms of pollution and especially, you know, in terms of, like, big pharmaceutical companies and things like that. I had actually gone to an event he had done up in Harlem. I think it was around 2006 or so. And he was a very different figure than this was an event that was about mountaintop removal in West Virginia and the sort of pollution that would flow from that into these like small mountain communities. And it was a really inspiring event, and and Robert Kennedy was the keynote and sort of talking about how there's this sort of connection between some of the environmental pollution in a place like Harlem and in these small communities in West Virginia. Um, And he was this sort of like fighter against corporate power, pollution, environmental degradation. I think a real hero to a lot of folks on the left.
1: But RFK Jr.'s reputation was about to shift. During Kennedy's time as an environmental lawyer, he worked on issues related to mercury toxicity and came across mothers who were convinced their children had been injured by vaccines with mercury in them. Then, according to Scientific American, RFK Jr. met with two organizations that opposed vaccines. In 2005, he wrote a now-notorious article that was published in both Salon and Rolling Stone, arguing how he thought vaccines were unsafe. He claimed, incorrectly, that mercury in childhood vaccines was causing thousands of children to develop autism.
0: Those of those articles were basically revealed to be utter nonsense. And, you know, one thing that happens, I think, in this era of social media is, you know, once you're kind of rejected Mm -hmm. like that, you kind of end up searching for your tribe.
1: Kennedy became one of the most prominent faces of the vaccine skeptic community, And so when the pandemic hit, it offered him many opportunities to spread misinformation, including the conspiracy that the Bill Gates Foundation wants to use COVID vaccines as a way of controlling people via microchips. Kennedy posted a picture of Bill Gates onto his Instagram with the caption, quote, if you refuse a vaccine, we turn off the chip and you starve, end quote. Kennedy would be kicked off of Instagram in February of 2021 because of his conspiratorial anti-vaccine posts.
0: And this was just an absolute outrage uh, as far as he was concerned. Um, and so it seems as if that's sort of like, that that was like what drove him into the race for the presidency.
1: You were actually there when he declared his presidency? Yeah, that's correct. So yeah, what was that scene like?
0: That was in April of 2023. It was in Massachusetts in this famous hotel in Boston, you know, obviously where the Kennedy sort of family is, is headquartered. It was the longest kickoff speech I've ever heard a politician give. I think the speech, like, you know, literally began with, like, Kennedy's arriving in America from Ireland. All
4: of my Kennedy grandparents, Kennedy and Fitzgerald grandparents, landed here in 1848, fleeing British oppression and the potato famine.
0: At one point, like, an alarm went off in in the ballroom.
4: Saudi Arabia just switched away from the dollar. Oh, these
0: are. Voice came on the loudspeaker and said, you know, it's time to evacuate. You, you know, there's an emergency. Everyone needs to evacuate the hotel. Attention, please. <laughs> a signal just heard indicates a report of an emergency in this building. And Kennedy sort of waved his hand and said, no, we're not listening to that. You can't shut us up.
4: I'm being told by Gavin DeBecker. Uh, There is no emergency.
0: And he just talked right through the alarm and then the alarm stopped. No one moved. And he just kept on speaking.
1: If you had to like boil down what his campaign is about, what his main talking points are, what would they be?
0: The big thing he is running on is is the idea that he is being censored and that Americans are being censored by sort of government, corporations. You know, it's odd, right? He, He certainly, he has a Twitter feed. He has a Facebook and several books. He's on
1: podcasts. He was reinstated on Instagram, where he now, as of February 2024, has nearly 2 million followers. And he's running for president. It's worth noting that some in RFK Jr.'s family have condemned his decision to run for president as an independent candidate. Four of his siblings issued a statement on social media, including Instagram, calling his candidacy, quote, dangerous and perilous. In a statement, they say, quote, Bobby might share the same name as our father, but he does not share the same values, vision, or judgment. RFK Jr.'s audience is an amalgamation from people on both sides of the aisle. On the right, he's attracting...
0: Conspiracy-minded conservatives for whom Donald Trump is not conspiracy-minded enough. One of the things he's running on is that Donald Trump was sort of too hawkish on COVID um, by, you know, having there be shutdowns and lockdowns and mass mandates.
1: On the left, he's attracting those who care about issues like the environment or racism, but he's not talking about tackling problems through systemic change. He's talking about small-scale local problems that can be addressed by individual action.
0: That was the movement the environmental movement now is climate change and, and keeping the planet from warming, um, to like below a certain threshold, right. And moving into alternative fuels and things like that. And like, interestingly, like, that's not the kind of thing he mm-hmm. talks about, even though it is like actual, like, if you ask what he does, he's an environmental lawyer and you would think, especially if he was like running in the party primary, which he was at one point, that would be the kind of thing that he would be, um, talking about all the time. But, but he's, he's not really. He doesn't talk about like environmental justice. Instead, it's much more of this like, let's clean up the river in my backyard. Let's clean up the air in Los Angeles. Let's like do these kind of small local things uh, rather than looking at kind of systemic issues in a
1: way. Yeah, that it's more about like keeping you as an individual safe than thinking about things in a larger systemic way.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's doing surprisingly well in the polls. Um, you know, he's getting like 20% of the vote which I think has surprised a lot of people.
1: Kennedy has turned out to be a very effective social media user who knows how to attract online engagement. His Instagram posts have key art with quippy titles like What is the Media Hiding? COVID Was Militarized and Help Me Stop the Censorship. It feels reminiscent of Guru Jagat's classes and social media posts in which he would rail against, quote, corporate news and talk about the, quote, agenda behind the lockdowns. On Kennedy's Instagram feed, he often features interviews he's done on the podcast circuit. These are very popular interview podcasts that are not known for thorough fact-checking. His team also adds some background music to
4: juice the production. I can fix the agencies myself. I can get them, you know, and I... You can't dismantle an agency alone dismantle it is not what I would do. So my first week in office, I'm going to go to Bethesda, the NIH, and so we're going to look at unvaccinated and vaccinated cohorts, and we're going to look at the level of chronic disease in
1: them. In many of the videos, he talks about mental health and his own spiritual journey. In fact, there's a video he posted titled, RFK Jr.'s Spiritual Awakening.
4: had a spiritual awakening, and my desire for drugs and alcohol was lifted miraculously. So I saw that evidence, early evidence of God in my life, and I
1: see it now. And of course, like all good influencers, he posts photos of himself shirtless.
0: He has, like, posted these videos on social media of him shirtlessly, Doing push-ups. Have you seen those?
1: <laughs> yeah, I have.
4: Okay. Let's go. <laughs> That's a fit boy.
0: He's totally ripped. I mean, he's a he's like for an old guy.
1: Did you notice that in person? Was that like a notable thing in person?
0: For sure. Yeah, for sure. He's strong and like in very good shape.
1: That video of him doing push-ups, which was posted on X, formerly known as Twitter, has over 17 million views. He followed the post up with a tweet stating, As president, I will restore America as the global example of health and well-being, not through pills or syringes, but through character and self-discipline. And I will continue to walk the walk and lead by example. Hashtag Kennedy24. That sounds so similar to how Guru Jagat talked in her classes and on her social media about how your health is your responsibility. His focus on physical well-being and personal strength and health, like, how is that playing out with his constituents? Like, why do you think that appeals to them?
0: I mean, it's just people for whom the kind of, like, health of the country and their own personal health are sort of related
1: for the people who think like this, it can be meaningful to hear a Kennedy voice their opinions. Matthew Rumsky of Conspirituality talked to me about this.
2: One of the things that he offers is, especially when he was running as a Democrat, is a kind of redemption arc for New Age yoga people who ended up being called out as reactionaries right. or as right wing proponents while they were, while they were pushing uh, QAnon talking points, they are now offered a kind of welcome back into the mainstream of American politics. Oh, I wasn't really a right winger at all when I was talking about how the government is out to get me or that the government is coming for my children because Bobby Kennedy is saying the same thing and look at where he comes from.
1: Matthew says that this is a group of people who have often felt left out of politics.
2: We're talking about a full-time yoga and wellness consumers, people who have been told and who have told themselves for a long time that politics is conflictual, it's not part of your enlightened sort of action in the world, it's dualistic, uh, that your job is to rise above the battlefield.
1: As I was talking with Matthew, Emily Guerin, who reported this series and was listening in, pinged me to let me know that just days away, there was going to be a campaign event for RFK Jr. in LA, hosted by a Kundalini yoga teacher. I pulled up Kennedy's campaign website. Emily just said, I just learned of this event. I don't know. Do you know this Kundalini yoga teacher? Grutej Khalsa invites RFK to learn why she's supporting him.
2: Okay. She's known as energy, energy guru to high ranking. Is it only in person?
1: Yeah, it seems. Damn. Oh, we'll see. Oh, no, no. no, no. Zoom meeting right there.
2: Zoom meeting. Oh, my God.
1: We're going to take you inside that Zoom meeting and also talk about whether RFK Jr. has a chance of becoming president. That's coming up after the break. Welcome back. This is Imperfect Paradise. I'm Antonia Cerejido. So, our correspondent Emily Guerin was not able to attend the Guru Tej Khalsa event for RFK Jr. Live this past January 14th, but she was sent a video of the event after by the local Los Angeles Kennedy campaign coordinator, and I've asked Emily to join me to talk me through it. I'm very excited to hear about what this event was like.
5: Yeah. So it took place basically in the living room of this very nice Spanish style kind of mid-city Los Angeles house. And what what I could see in the video was there's these four people sitting shoulder to shoulder, two men and two women. And then there's this like audience of unknown size off camera behind them that like claps at various points. So one of the women is wearing all white and she has this tightly wrapped white turban. And this is a woman named Guru Tej. Uh, Guru Tej is a kundalini yoga teacher in LA. Actually, I had not heard of her, Antonia, so I had to sort of do a little digging, but She was described to me by Philip D. Slip, who was one of my Kundalini experts from this series, as a small fish in a small pond. Like, she's kind of like a freelance Kundalini yoga teacher. She's like unaffiliated with any big studio. Like, she's certainly not a celebrity like Guru Jagat was. She looks like she's in her 70s. She calls herself a spiritual mentor and coach who works with women to release overwhelm and regain calm and clarity. Okay. And she calls herself the energy guru.
1: RFK Jr. is not actually at the event, but the event is in support of his presidential campaign.
5: Basically, this event starts out with Guru Tej leading the group in this meditation.
3: So I want to give you something that is really simple that we can do for our intuition. And we're just going to do this breathing called breath of fire. It's a, a very rapid diaphragmatic breath. is for energy. Okay but only through your left nostril. So you're stimulating that place of intuition and
5: knowingness. Of- so like everyone in the room covers one nostril with their pinky and they start like inhaling and exhaling very rapidly. By the way, Antonio, do you remember the term breath of fire from the series?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Where it gets you like really, it like closes off the circulation
5: to your brain. So you get kind of high. Exactly. Yeah, it's a total kundalini thing. Guru Jagat used to do it all the time. And now Guru Tej has this whole room of people doing this. So afterwards, they all take a deep breath and Guru Tej kind of like brings it back to the reason that we are all here.
3: And we want to do this where we feel like we can uplift this nation and bring it back to a place of... It's glory,
5: which honestly kind of gave me MAGA vibes, like bringing the nation back to its place of glory.
1: Yeah. Sounds like Um, make America great again.
5: Yeah, totally. Um, And then there's one final kind of meditation they do right at the beginning where uh, Guru Tej asks everyone to picture RFK Jr. and his wife, who's an actress who you may know from Crib Your Enthusiasm. Great show. And she wants everyone to like hold them in light and take very long, deep breaths and then say the following mantra.
3: The mantra that I'm going to say out loud is going to be
5: sa ta na ma. So they all chant and this goes on for a while. Sata na ma. And then they move to the next portion, which is why they support RFK Jr. I'm excited to hear these reasons. So interestingly, the four folks on this panel, they reference his family a lot, like they're really connecting him to this royal dynasty. And there seems to be a lot of nostalgia that they have for this time period of the 1960s.
4: When John Kennedy
3: was president, the whole terminology then, and most of you probably aren't old enough to remember that is the best and the brightest. And the country kind of resonated around, yeah, we're part of that. We're the best and the brightest. And it was it was uplifting.
5: So that's that's Gürtage's husband, Keith. And he kind of goes on to say how. You know, it's not uplifting anymore. Like everyone has sold out. There's nothing hopeful. Everything's done for profit, including running for office, but not RFK Jr. And then he goes on to hit on a number of what I now know to be RFK Jr.'s talking points.
3: Big pharma, chemicals. So if we want a healthy immune system, we have to have healthy soils and we have to clean up our rivers.
5: So he's like making this connection between like big pharma, chemicals, corporations and the environment and the environment being polluted, and then our bodies being polluted, and then also our government being polluted. They're saying that Kennedy's like the only one telling the truth about this, about what's really happening.
1: Towards the end of the event, Sharon Jimenez, who is the Kennedy campaign's L.A. County coordinator, calls RFK Jr.'s constituency his, quote, army.
5: Give me a sword and I'll fight with you, you're his army, to get our country back to get freedom of speech back, to protect our borders, to protect our water and our soil and our environment.
1: And then Guru jumps in to clarify. When you
3: said sword, it's really like, it's not like I am going to cut your head off. This is not, you know, we're not doing jihadist. No. <laughs> it's, it's a vibrational sword that I am
5: not afraid
3: to fight for what I believe in.
5: A Vibrational sword A vibrational sword but to me that's really interesting that and that's where I feel like you start to see some of the overlap between the right and the left that we were talking about earlier in this episode like that feeling like the country has been taken from us by elites who are corrupt and like we are an army that needs to take it back I mean that's very much like far right like January 6th rhetoric right and like we're hearing it at this campaign event held in this yoga teachers living room in Los Angeles.
1: Certainly, there are people who are resonating with RFK Jr. and his platform. But does he have a chance at becoming president? I asked journalist David Friedlander of Politico about this. Do you think that his candidacy is going to have an impact on the election?
0: The, the big question, I think, for him right now is whether or not he can get on the ballot. Because it is hard and it is expensive to get on the ballot. So I think that's a big question, you know, He is he's like polling right, you know, just kind of behind Trump and Biden, which isn't bad for a third party guy. I mean, I think there's a big question of whether or not he'll like hurt Biden or whether or not he'll hurt Trump.
1: At this point, do you think he's taking more people who would be traditional Democratic voters or more people who would be traditional Republican voters?
0: I think it's a. I think right now it's a little bit of a mix. There's a notion that like any kind of little spice in the mixture is going to hurt the Democrats. I mean, I think if he were to, like, really ramp up a lot of the anti-establishment and conspiratorial rhetoric, you can imagine it, it taking a little bit out of Trump, too.
1: I'm getting flashbacks to the 2016 election when I feel like a lot of the media at, like, legacy places, like, where you worked, I've worked, Donald Trump seemed more like a fringe candidate and was sort of treated that way. Yeah. I, I'm feeling a little bit of like, oh, are we? is this sort of a similar situation with this candidate where— I think so much of what we do when we report on him is just how outlandish and and completely not factual a lot of the things he says are. And I just, I'm finding myself as a journalist having a little bit of wariness around that dynamic. I'm curious for you how that plays out in your reporting.
0: I mean, it's it's obviously like if Trump taught us anything, it was like to distrust our assumptions, I think, a little bit, right? and know that anything can happen and that's sort of not up to us in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I think that like the history of sort of third parties should like give us a little pause on the fact that he would like become president. It, it just It's just very, very hard to convince Democrats and Republicans to not vote for Democrats and Republicans. So I guess we'll see.
1: We reached out to RFK Jr. and his campaign to respond to comments that he's become the, quote, conspirituality presidential candidate and has spread conspiracy theories to a much broader mainstream audience. And about his decision to run against President Joe Biden as a third-party candidate, which his own family has denounced as, quote, dangerous. His campaign didn't get back to us, but on Fox & Friends, Kennedy said that his family statement was, quote, very painful for him. Regardless of whether RFK Jr. wins or not, he's already done a lot to mainstream conspiracy theories. Here's Matthew Remsky again.
2: RFK Jr. has probably drawn a fair number of Katie Griggs's old students and engaged them in political activism, perhaps for the first time in a long time.
1: Right before we started working on this episode, Emily Guerin told me that she saw a picture on Instagram of one of Guru Jagat's, a.k.a. Katie Griggs' former students, with RFK Jr. at an event.
2: One of the things that RFK Jr. does for his wellness and yoga um, followers is that he grants them a sense of political agency and legitimacy that I don't think the culture has enjoyed or been interested in over the last 30 years.
1: This has been part four of Imperfect Paradise's Yoga's Queen of Conspiracy Theories. This episode was written and reported by me and Emily Guerin. I'm the show's host, Antonia Serejito. Catherine Mailhouse is the executive producer of the show, and Shayna naomi Crockmall is our vice president of podcasts. Production and sound design by me, research assistant from Jens Campbell. Editing by Catherine Mailhouse and Emily Guerin. Our team also includes Natalie Chidnovsky and Emma Alabaster. Mixing by Donald Paz. Original music by E. Scott Kelly. This podcast is powered by listeners like you. Support the show by donating now at las.com slash join. This podcast is supported by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live.
3: This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.
2: Hey, it's Brian, the host of the How to L.A. podcast. How about we go to the movies? Join us for a 10-part series, Revival House, and discover the magic of L.A.'s indie theaters. Who knows, you might meet someone.
4: I know it sounds antithetical because
0: you're just sitting passively but in fact you're connecting with everyone else around you
2: subscribe to how to la from la studios wherever you listen to podcasts